The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You're listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm here. I'm so incredibly honored to have the kirtan icon in my eyes of, of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, Vyasaki Prabhu. Uh, Vyasaki Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you, Prabhu, um, a little bit about um, the Facebook post you made uh, back in September regarding how ISKCON is developing and just your comments on that. I thought it was really interesting what you were saying. But even before that, let's start out by talking a little bit about your background. How did you come in contact uh, with Krishna Consciousness and Srila Prabhupada? Well, I came in contact because I arrived at that position that most devotees arrive at, that there must be something better in life. This can't be all there is to it. You know, so then I began to search and uh, led me to first the, the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, uh, uh, an English translation by Christopher Isherwood. And then I met some Indian devotees, and in particular, one Indian family, a Mr. Sengupta and his wife. And they invited me, you know, he was telling me all about India and mystical things and completely att attracted my attention. Then he invited me to his home for dinner. And we were sitting in the front room and having a chat. And then all of a sudden, his wife was in the kitchen. She just kind of peeked out and waved. Then about... A, 10, 15 minutes later, she came out of the kitchen with a tray, walked past us into another room, put the tray down on the mantelpiece, started ringing a bell. Of course, I had no idea what was going on, but now I realized she was offering prasad. So that was the first time I took prasad. I can't remember what it was. All I remember is the sweet, <laughs> gulab jamun. It was the sweetest thing I'd ever had in my life. Wow. My teeth were just dancing. <laughs> so it was a very memorable uh, uh, evening. And uh, my girlfriend had been in San Francisco, and she told me that when she was there, she'd seen these, well, it was devotees. She didn't know they were devotees, shaved up with sikas and playing drums and chanting in the streets in San Francisco. This is 1968, by the way, summer of 68. So I mentioned that to Mr. Sengupta and he said, oh, those are Vaishnavas. And he, he somehow or other, the word Vaishnava stuck in my mind, although I'd never heard the word before. Then he explained that in Bengal, these there's so many Vaishnavas go out in the streets and they play drums and chant like that. So it was a very, interesting evening. Then when I was about to leave, he explained that on Sundays, they have a me a, a congregational group of Indians coming to a and it's like a temple function that they have. Would I mind coming? Would I like to come? So I said, sure. So I came there uh, about 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And I must have been a little late because I opened the door, walked in, and the program was already in session. Everyone was sitting down, 
So I just quietly came in and sat down at the back. And then I noticed that at the front, there were three musicians, one playing harmonium, the other drum, and the other cartels. And they were chanting. Now, I was a musician my whole life. Uh, my mother sent me for violin lessons when I was six, music theory lessons when I was nine. I played in a school orchestra. I won a silver medal at the Toronto Conservatory of Music uh, for my violin playing. Someone else got the gold, but silver wasn't bad. <laughs> and uh, so music my whole life was there. And I was at, at that time, I was a musician playing in bands. And then I heard this kirtan. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I've never heard music like this before. And I was really entranced. And then I noticed that they were repeating the same words over and over again. So I tried to focus. What is it they're saying? What are those words? And then when I finally was able to comprehend, it was Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And all of a sudden, when that happened, when I had that comprehension, a wave of emotion swept up from my feet all the way up to my head and tears came to my eyes. And I was startled. I was thinking, why is this music affecting me like this? And I looked over at the other people and they were just smiling and informally, you know, here I am with tears in my eyes. So I felt a little embarrassed. Anyway, that was my first experience with Mr. Sengupta of having prashad and hearing the Maha Mantra. And then about seven or eight months later in 69, the spring of 69, I was downtown. This is in Canada, by the way, in Toronto. Okay. And then uh, I shifted to Vancouver. So in the spring of 1969, I'm in downtown Vancouver. And I turn the corner and I hear ching, 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 ching. And it's a ISKCON a Harinam Sankirtan party. So I stopped and I thought to myself, oh, these are the Vaishnavas that Mr. Sengupta told me about. So I stood there and we listened. It wasn't the same. The kirtan was not at the same level as the Bengali, that was for sure. But then someone came up and gave me a Back to Godhead magazine. I gave a donation and I took that back home. That was my first uh, literature that I got from Srila Prabhupada. That was 69. Then in 72, I was in London, you know, furthering my rock a career as a rock musician because that was my desire to become a famous rock musician. Wow. And I'm walking down in Soho and I turn onto Oxford Street and I hear ching, 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 ching. And I, I see the devotees again. I say, oh, they're here too. And then the devotees came up to me and one thing led to another. And then uh, I ended up visiting the temple at, uh, Berry Place. This was the summer of 1972. So in this way, gradually, uh, Krishna led me to the devotees and led me to the holy name, of which I took complete shelter of subsubsequently. Right. And and, in a nutshell, that's it. Right. And where did you, um, where did you kind of land as far as like ashram life in the sense of uh, joining and shaving up and you know becoming an initiated devotee? Well, I was at first a congregational member, you know, I was still had long hair, playing in a band, the band would gig, go out and gig. And then 
after the gig, the boys would go out and get stoned and get girls. I'd go to bed, wake up early in the morning, go outside and chant Japa in front of the hotel. So wow. <laughs> I was an undefined ashram. Finally, in 1974, uh, I, uh, I, was, I, I was now in, back in Toronto because this was in London. Yeah. I had back in Toronto and I was gigging with another band and uh, we were playing a club and by 2 a.m. the gig was over. We'd pack up and everything. And then I would drive to the Toronto temple, knock on the door at 3 a.m. The only person up at the time was the Pujari. And he would let me in and I would come in the temple room and chant Japa until everybody else came down, then Mangalarti. And then after the Mangalarti in Tulsi, I would go upstairs in the Brahmachari Ashram and crash and then come down for breakfast. So the temple president, Uttama Shloka, he had been a musician first also. So he knew how to preach to musicians. <laughs> so he preached to me. I gave up desiring to be a, a, a rock musician. And I shaved up. We went out on Harinam Sankirtan, downtown Toronto, and I was thinking, this is the real band, you know, right on the street level, right with the people. This is the real deal. So, you know, that's how I gradually came into it. Right. But I was and, involved. Yeah. And when did you get kind of more involved in, I know you even spent time in India learning, uh, spending time in Bengal doing that style of kirtan. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got in contact with um, that style of kirtan and what interested you and how you pursued that? Okay, so... That was 74 in Toronto. Now I'm a shaved up devotee, you know, attending the temple programs. But in January 75, I decided to go visit and live in L.A. because Prabhupada came to L.A. a lot. And in 75, he came four times to L.A. and also the San Francisco Rathiatra. So I had a lot of association with him. And uh, there's a lot of pastimes there, but I'm just going to skip ahead. Uh, his last visit was in July, and after he left, a message came in August that any devotees would like to come to India, please come, especially if you have a British Commonwealth passport. So I had a British passport because I was born there and a Canadian passport because I was nationalized Canadian. So I went to my temple president. I said, you know, Prabhupada wants me to come to India, showed him the letter. He said, the, the letter was posted on the bulletin board. He said, well, you should stay and get, you know, in the temple. You're making nice advancement. I, 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 so I said, yeah, but Prabhupada's calling for people with Commonwealth passports. I showed him my Commonwealth passport, you know. So he said, okay, so look, stay until Mayapur. You're doing good service. And then in Mayapur, you can come with the devotees to India. And I said to him, yeah, but Srila Prabhupada wants me to come now. He's asking for people now. <laughs> so the temple president, Tulsi Das, he was a wonderful temple president. He could see I was not surrendered. <laughs> so in those days, if you weren't surrendered to the temple president, it was considered an apparat. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, I don't want you to commit an offense, so I'm going to give you my blessings. And I went to India. So that was the summer of 75. Then uh, 
in the seventh for Gore Purnima, 76, I was, came to Mayapur. I was in Calcutta and Mayapur. And then I was living in Mayapur and I decided to study Sanskrit. So I was studying Sanskrit. I got a Sanskrit grammar book. And then meanwhile, I'm reading Chaitanya Charitamrita. And in one purport, I read that Prabhupada says that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur commented that the Chaitanya Charitamrita is written in such nectarian Bengali that he prophesied that people would come from all the Western countries to Mayapur and learn Bengali just to relish the Chaitanya Charitamrita. After I read that, I stopped studying Sanskrit. I went and got a Bengali grammar book and started studying Bengali. <laughs> wow. And that's how I got into the Bengali side. And then, of course, I was always into kirtan because I was a musician. Yeah. But uh, the Bengali style of kirtan really captured me. Then in 78, I went to Bangladesh. And when I heard the Bangladesh style of kirtan, I was completely captivated. And then uh, Jai Pataka Swami uh, said to Bangladesh and be the temple president and found our society there, start our society in Bangladesh, which I did do. And I registered our society. It was the first Hindu society registered in a Muslim country. And uh, I was there for three years. We opened two centers, but now there's like 40 centers. It's like amazing because there's so many Hindus and they're all Bengali Vaishnavas following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and they're oppressed by the Muslim majority. So they easily become devotees. So that, that's how I got into the Bangladeshi style of Kirtan. And I learned from the top Kirtan masters. I studied with them and that's how I learned. Wonderful. And then, and then I know you came to America and you traveled all throughout America during like kind of like the Rathiatra circuit. Was that in the 90s or in the 80s when, when you were traveling around there? Well, I started in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. 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 I remember that. I brought, we, we brought a Bangladeshi Kirtan troupe with us. And we, in 1984, we traveled around America and then Europe. And then I joined up with Maduha and, uh, we traveled to the Rathiatra season. Right, right. Um, I want to ask you, um, my favorite, my absolute favorite album is Kirtan Ras. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how was that recorded? I, I understand it was at the Bhaktivedanta Manor? No, Kirtan Ras was recorded in L Ljubljana, Slovenia. Really? It was a, yeah, it was a Sunday program. And the devotees had asked me to, to lead Kirtan and to do a few bhajans. They set up all the mics and everything, so I did. So those Kirtans that you hear there, I sang. Then when it was all over, at the end of the program, they said, you know, we had all the mics hooked up to a recorder down in the basement, and this was all recorded. And so it was an impromptu recording live for the Sunday feast. So brilliant. Such a good, the, the fact how natural it sounded and, and, and it wasn't at all like kind of um, like a, like a professional in the sense of like a professionally staged kind of recording. It was very natural and it, it's such a huge uh, contribution to the, to the Kirtan albums at that time when it, in 96, I believe it was right. Uh, 95. Oh, 95. Okay, great. Wonderful. 
And maybe uh, by the time you got it, it was 96. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, Prabhu. I know you're um, you're kind of you're you're very you have a, a great way of articulating ideas, Krishna consciousness, philosophy. I want to talk a little bit about um, if ISKCON is, is ISKCON meant to present a philosophy only, or is it meant to present an alternative way of life? I know you wrote a little bit about on that, but I'd like to talk to you about that here. Okay, Srila Prabhupada introduced a sangha the Antarashtriya Krishna Bhavnamrita Sangha, which he translated as the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. However, Krishna Consciousness does not really capture the meaning of Krishna Bhavnamrit. Bhavna means your emotions, and Amrit is the nectar. So it's the Sangha of devotees who are experiencing the nectar of their feelings for Krishna. Antarashtriya Krishna Bhavnamrita Sangha. Whereas the International Society for Krishna Consciousness is more of, we're aware of Krishna, we're thinking of Krishna. It's, it's, it's more in the intellect rather than in the heart. Right. So Prabhupada told me, he said that Krishna Consciousness, he used Krishna Consciousness because in those early days, we didn't know Krishna Bhavnamrita. That was only when we came to India. He says it's an affair of the heart. So I related to that and... Kirtan is a heartfelt expression of devotion and glorification of the Lord. And we want to glorify the Lord with beautiful melodies from the heart. So for, to me, that's what Kirtan is. It's not just going out, bang, 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 and let's save the conditioned souls. You know, It's an offering to the Supreme Lord. If the conditioned souls benefit, that's great. But that's not our focus. Our focus is pleasing Krishna. Everything that we do, our focus is pleasing Krishna. And that's what Prabhupada taught us. Do you feel that? Bhakti yoga means devotional service to Krishna. Right. Do you feel at this very moment that that is not happening in our society? Or uh, could it be done better or in a different way? No, it's happening here and there. But the focus is, it's a little out of focus. Prabhupada's idea was that this would be the association of, the, of persons who wanted to go back to home, back to Godhead in this very life. There are so many religious groups, so many institutions to get some benefit. But if you want to go back home, back to Godhead in this very life, this is the society you join. But now the leaders want to make us an international famous religion, you know, equal to the Christianity or whatever, you know, this is not Prabhupada's focus. This is for going back home, back to Godhead. We don't care about what happens in the material world. While we're right. here, we do whatever service we can do, but our focus is to go back home, back to Godhead. And that's the greatest service we can render to Prabhupada. Because when we come back home, back to Godhead, all the Prajbasis come to Prabhupada and said, Wow, what a tremendous service you did. Look at all these people coming back home. Even that rascal Vyasaki got saved by you. Fantastic service. <laughs> and if we don't focus on going back home, back to Godhead, Prabhupada might think that he was a failure. He might think, where is everybody? They're trying to make ISKCON a, a world religion, but they're not coming back to Godhead. He, would, he might think he's a failure. So how could we do that to Prabhupada? 
we have to glorify his work by going back home, back to Godhead. And then all the six Goswamis, all the Gopas and Gopis will come up to him and say, you did a fantastic job. Krishna will be so pleased. So this is my understanding. This is our focus. Right. Is our goal to find a way to fit comfortably into the current flow of the modern world? Or are we meant to change the world's structure of economy, society, and culture? We're actually meant to change ourselves. You can't change the world. The world will change or will not change on an individual basis. It's an individual thing. There's no such thing as changing the world. However, we can change ourselves. And anyone who comes in contact with us, they will be changed. And that's how devotees are made. They come in contact with someone and they're thinking, wow, this person is so pure, so dedicated to spiritual life. So he's invited to come to the temple. The person comes to the temple and he says, wow, these people are so dedicated. They're so pure. And then he decides to get the books and he reads and studies. And he wants to join the temple because he's seeing everybody as pure devotees which is the right mood. So when the new bhaktas come, they're seeing everyone as pure devotees. They make rapid, rapid advancement. But then our advancement is checked. It's checked first by you get first initiation. Now you're seeing, oh, I'm, a, I'm initiated, you're not. And then second initiation, oh, I'm a Brahmin. You have to serve me. So these are things that cause our advancement to get checked. Pratishta. So sarvupadi vinir muktam. We have to give up all these upadis of a pratishta and just remain das, 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 anudas like we were when we first came and joined the temple and saw everyone as a pure devotee. That's the meaning of das, 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 anudas, seeing everyone else as Prabhu. Mm -hmm. Sometimes devotees will say that um, we need to be more relevant to people if we want people to take up Krishna consciousness. And so therefore, we try to fit into the world's cultural uh, mold at the moment or whether whatever social mold, economical mold. What? How do you feel about well, that? This is a problem I have with the GBC outlook. For example, just give me, I'll give you one concrete example. Prabhupada trained up all the ladies to be pujaris. And in the beginning, all the pujaris were ladies. When we came to India, ladies aren't considered to be uh, qualified to be on an altar. So we followed the Indian standard. And even today, of course, in the beginning, Prabhupada said, if we don't uh, uh, have our brahmacharis at the grand opening of the Krishna Balaram Mandir, if we don't show them what they're used to, they won't accept us. So in order to be accepted, he, he followed that rule up to a point. But now we're accepted. We have well over 600 centers in India. So my point is this, do we wanna follow the system in India or do we wanna lead and give them the higher understanding of Sanatana Dharma? So, for example, 1866, Krishna has spent the whole Gita teaching Arjuna to protect Dharma and to establish Dharma. 
Paritranaya sadhunam, vinashaya chadustyutam. Protect the sadhus. Annihilate the demons. Dharma samstapak, to establish dharma. Sambhavami yuge yuge, for this purpose I come millennia after millennia, yuga after yuga. But now in 1866, he's saying, Sarva Everything I taught you up to now, give it up, forget about it. Mami kang sharanambraja. And that is Sanatan Dharma. Bhagavad Dharma, Sanatan Dharma. Forget all those other dharmas. Why? Because all those other dharmas are temporary. For example, Sri Dharma. You follow Sri Dharma if you're a woman, but in your next birth, you're in a male body, you don't follow Sri Dharma. Similarly, Kshatriya Dharma, you're in a male body. Next birth, you're in a female body. You don't follow Kshatriya Dharma. So these are all temporary dharmas have to do with the material world. What Prabhupada called as concocted dharma, because he said, dharma su shakshat bhagavat pranitam. The dharma is enunciated directly by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So all these temporary dharmas, he's what Prabhupada called, labeled as concocted dharmas, we give them up. Mame kang sharanam, you just surrender and make me number one in your life. So that's what our Krishna consciousness movement is about. Surrender to Krishna and go back home, back to Godhead in this very life. And in, when I joined, everyone was convinced we're going back to Godhead. We're going back to Godhead. Yes, we're going home. There was that famous song. Everybody believed it. And a lot of people thought, the whole world's going to become Krishna conscious. But you know what? People aren't interested in that. They're interested in India tripti. They're interested in sense gratification. <clears throat> what and when I go preach, I, when I preach in the universities, like IIT in India, so I ask them, how many people here are studying IT? Half of them raised their hand, said, I know all about IT. You're here because of Indriya Tripti. That's why you're here. And it's a fact. They're there. They're, they're studying IT just to get the money. It's for Indriya Tripti. <laughs> but we want to go back home, back to Godhead. What What do you in feel? The, yeah, in this life, right. What do you feel that the leaders of ISKCON could do differently to um, more align with, you feel, you feel, Srila Prabhupada's vision? Well, I can't speak for other people. I can only speak for myself. Sure. I know sure. that I have know that I have to chant the Maha Mantra without offenses. I know I have to chant the Maha Mantra from the heart. I know I have to chant the Maha Mantra in a way to say thank you to Krishna for everything he's given me. For me, the chanting is my gift. It's my gift to Krishna and my way to say thank you so much for everything you've done for me. And what can I give you? I can give you an offensive month, offenseless mantra as my gift because I can't give you anything else. I can give you my heart and my love. That's what we all have to do. And then everything's taken care of. Krishna takes care of everything. Just surrender unto me. I take away all your sinful activities. Moksha Yisrami. I bring you back home to the Nitya Masuchaha. Don't worry about it. Don't have any doubts. You know what don't have any doubts means? It means trust me. 
Krishna is saying, trust me, just surrender to me, make me number one, and everything else will be taken care of. Just trust me. Our problem is we don't trust Krishna. How do you feel we could trust Krishna more? By being more dedicated, more committed, more, well, more humble than the tree and more, I mean, more humble than the grass and more tolerant than the tree. Now, how can I become more humble than the grass and more tolerant than the tree? That's the question. Well, Mahaprabhu says, don't worry about it. Here's the re answer. Amanina manadena. Amanina means I don't desire any honor and respect. Therefore, if people disrespect me, I'm happy. If I don't get any respect, I'm happy. Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj was the perfect emblem of that. He was happy. And if people did come and glorify him, he would say, no, no, it's not me. It's my guru. He deserves all the credit. So that's Amanina. We have to practice Amanina and Manadena. Amanina, that's how we become more tolerant than the tree. No matter what happens, I'm never upset because I'm happy. If I'm, if I'm not recognized, I'm not praised, I'm not rewarded for whatever I do. I'm happy because I don't want that honor and recognition. And then Manadena, to become more humble than the grass, I give all honor and respect to everybody else. Everybody else. Now, from a distance, we can't be intimate with every single human being. Now, most people we have to honor and respect from a distance in our mind because some of them are apparatus. But in my mind, from a distance, I offer them honor and respect and pray that they'll one day come to the Lord's lotus feet and get his mercy. Then, Kirtaniya Siddhahari, then by Amanina Manadena, then I'll be able to chant Hare Krishna forever. Kirtaniya Siddhahari also means that then Krishna will accept my kirtan. That's why it's Siddhahari. Krishna will always accept my kirtan because... I'm in the Amanina Manadena mood. If you're chanting Hare Krishna, but in, a, in an ego, it's not humble, then Krishna may not accept. And what's the benefit? If Krishna's not accepting your chanting, and you're just doing it for whatever reason, maybe you're doing it so I can get out of the material world. Maybe you have some personal agenda. Maybe there's some reasons that you're chanting, but it's not just out of love to glorify the Lord. Then Krishna accepts it. So we want to make sure that Krishna accepts our chanting. Therefore, Amanina Manadena, we have to be in that mood. Kirtaniyasadahari. So that's what we all have to do, each one of us individually. Right. In your own personal uh, life, uh, being a renowned Kirtaniya, did you ever feel, um, you know, being so world-renowned, did you ever feel that was a challenge in your chanting uh, just being so recognized, or how did you deal with that? Well, how I deal with it is that I realize that Krishna gives me the Shakti. He says I am the ability in man. So <clears throat> he's given me that ability and that understanding how to do kirtan. He op opened up my heart so I can chant in such a way to touch people. But I know he can take it away at any moment. So I have to remain very humble. I have to pray to Krishna, please don't take away this gift you've given to me and make me appear like a fool in front of everybody. So sometimes I have to pray to Krishna like that, you know, especially in the temple room. <laughs> I pray like that because he can take it away at any second.
Right. What would you say to uh, up and coming kirtan singers or devotees who like to do kirtan in in nowadays? Being someone who has a, a, a many years of experience, also a pioneer in Krishna consciousness movement, what advice would you give someone who is doing kirtan now? What do you see that you that you feel that maybe this is something that we should watch out for, or something we should change, or something we should um, work on? Well. I'll just repeat what I already said. You have to practice amanina manadena. You have to take a very humble position, not desire honor and respect, and you have to give all honor and respect to everyone else. Just for example, Madhava, Madhava Naidu. He's a world-renowned kirtan singer also, but he's right. so humble. He's so sweet. I just saw him here in Vrindavan a week ago, and he came up to me and embraced me and everything. He He's... I can see why he's getting Krishna's mercy because he's so humble. This is what it takes, humility. Right, right. As far as kirtan standards, I know the 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 society has has put a standard on what can we sing and what can we not sing, what's according to Srila Prabhupada and what is is what is considered maybe outside the teachings of of how he taught kirtan. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. <clears throat> Prabhupada taught to chant the Maha Mantra so that the mantra was the most prominent thing. Not that I'm prominent. Not that people are looking at me and thinking, oh, he's, what a great singer he is. But people are hearing the mantra and attracted to the mantra. So the mantra has to become the most prominent thing. And uh, what was the question again? Uh, what do you feel about uh, kirtan standards in 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 ISKCON? Yeah. Okay, kirtan standards. So Prabhupada taught a standard to be chanted in the temple. Now, what does it mean when we say temple? A temple is the house of the Lord. Right. When you're a guest in the house of someone else, and especially in the house of the Lord, you do everything according to owner of the house. So you follow Krishna's standard perfectly because we're a perfect guest. We have to be a perfect guest. Now, when Krishna comes to your home, positions are reversed. He's the guest. And Krishna or Gornitai become, uh, becomes a perfect guest in your home. When you wake up, he wakes up. When you take breakfast, he takes breakfast. He's the perfect guest. Whatever way you chant, he accepts it. He's a guest. He's a perfect guest. So there's a different standard in the home and a different standard in the temple because the temple is Krishna's home and we're the guests. And in my home, Krishna's the guest. So he does it according to my bhav. Now, I'll tell you a very nice story. In 1969, my godbrother Ishan, he came to London because Prabhupada was spending a lot of time then in London. And the devotees were doing great preaching to the Beatles and everything was really happening. So he was thinking, here I am in London. I'm not doing really much preaching. I'm just kind of hanging on, you know. So he wanted to see Srila Prabhupada. In those days, you could just go up and knock on Prabhupada's door and he would give you darshan. So he came in and said, Srila Prabhupada, everyone is doing such wonderful service, really big service for Krishna. You know, I want to do big service for Krishna also. Can you give me a service that I can do, a big service that I can do for Krishna? And Prabhupada looked at him and he said, 
No. So Ishan was thinking, I didn't explain myself properly. So he said it again. I want to do big service. The other devotees are doing big service. You please give me some big service that I can do for Krishna. And again, Prabhupada looked at him. He said, no, Ishan. And then Ishan was completely bewildered. And then Prabhupada understood that Ishan didn't understand. And he said, Ishan, what do you want to do from Krishna? What do you want to do for Krishna? What's coming from your heart? What do you want to do for Krishna from your own heart? So this is devotion, not what someone tells you to do. Then you're just a slave. But what's coming from your heart? Now, in the beginning, when we're new bhaktis, we're servants, so we're told what to do. But, you know, after a while, when by chanting Maha Mantra and following the principles, your heart softens and you want to do something from your heart to do for Krishna. And you should be allowed to do that, not that the society says, no, you have to follow what I want. And the example is that when Prabhupada came to New York, he wrote to the Gaudiya Mat, I'm here, I just need some help. But they wouldn't help him, you know. They, you, you have to come back, follow the Chaitanya Mat, follow our parampara system, you know. Just don't go off and do your own thing. He got that letter, this famous letter. And at that point, Prabhupada realized it's hopeless, you know. So what do I want to do for Krishna from my own heart? That was his mood. So he wanted to please his Guru Maharaj. So he, he thought like this. Since Lord Chaitanya is God, I mean, he wrote this in a purport. Since Lord Chaitanya is God, and he prophesied the whole world is going to be chanting the holy names of the Lord, therefore, there must be candidates waiting for someone to come and deliver the holy name for them in every country. So if I can just get there, the candidates will already be there. And that's what happened. That's what he discovered, especially in San Francisco. After being in New York for some time, and he flew to San Francisco, he was greeted at the airport the first time he ever came to that city by hundreds of people chanting Hare Krishna at the airport. He was amazed, you know. And then he, he experienced that, that people were waiting for it because Lord Chaitanya had set it up, had prophesied that it would be spread to every town and village, and people were just waiting for someone to bring that tattva. When you say, when you say, uh, what do you want to do for Krishna? How would you, um, like, what does that mean exactly in, in this day and age? Like when we are within a society of ISKCON, like we're, we, we're not saying, I think you're not saying that, okay, break away and do so your own thing. Like Srila Prabhupada did, uh, unless, uh, unless you want to clarify, but how would you say that to someone who wants to work within a society? From your own heart. What do you want to do from Krishna from your own heart? Because Krishna consciousness is an affair of the heart. Antarashtriya, Krishna Bhavnamrit Sangha. You understand Hindi, right? Yes. Yeah. Bhavnamrit. The nectar that you're feeling for Krishna. Right. You want to express that for Krishna. Mm -hmm. This is the Krishna Bhavnamrit Sangha. It has to come from your heart. What are the what are the things that block that 
from coming from the heart as opposed to coming from another place where it might be the mind or it might be from some other desires or uh, places that are it's not meant to come from, but it's meant to come from the heart. What's blocking the heart? What's blocking the heart? We don't trust Krishna. Don't worry, don't fear, don't have any doubts. It all translates into trust me. We have to trust Krishna. Page after page, shloka after shloka, he's telling how to go back home, back to Godhead. I'm doing a course now, how Prabhupada said that every single shloka, if you just learn one shloka, Every single shloka tells you how to go back home, back to Godhead. You only have to learn one shloka. So I'm going shloka by shloka, showing how this shloka, if you follow this, you go back home, back to Godhead, and how Krishna explains it. So, Masuchaha, don't have any doubts, just trust me. Mm. Just surrender and make me number one. How do we know who's number one in my life? It's a very simple test. Every morning... You pick up your japa beads and you start chanting japa. And you watch where your mind goes. Does your mind go, my mind, for example. Does my mind go to Krishna Leela or does it go to my Leela? <laughs> my mind goes to my Leela. Therefore, I'm number one. Arjuna, he didn't want to fight even though Krishna had requested him to do so. So he was number one. So Krishna says, stop it. Just make me number one. We have to make Krishna number one. And that's offenseless chanting and a desire to make Krishna number one, a desire to open up the heart and to thank Krishna for everything that he's done for us. He's doing so much for us. He's making so many arrangements, paving the way back home, back to Godhead. Like, for example, if I give you a glass of water, what will you say? Thank you. Yeah. But Krishna is giving so much water. We shower every day. We get so much water. We never say thank you to Krishna. Hmm. So I wanted to say thank you. So how can I say thank you to Krishna? Let him know how, hmm. how I feel. The gratitude. Because I don't want to be an ingrate. So I wanted to show gratitude. So I came to the conclusion. And for everyone else, it will be different. For me... My gift to say thank you was my song, was my kirtan. For the cook, it may be his pre pre preparation. For the pujari, it may be his special puja that he does. For everyone, it's whatever it is that coming from their heart to say thank you to Krishna for everything he's done for them. So you can establish a loving relationship. That's what it's all about. They say Krishna is your best friend, right? But how is it Krishna is your best friend? You never talk to him. <laughs> Whoever yeah. heard of a best friend you never speak to? We should be <laughs> and talking to Krishna regularly. Mm. Uh, Prabhu, so many uh, devotees over the years, they can hear this philosophy, trust Krishna, chant the holy name, uh, surrender unto Krishna. But for devotees who have heard this for many years and still don't make that advancement or still don't feel that still don't feel that uh trust or still don't or aren't able to chant uh or able to follow the principles or able to follow the instructions what would you give your advice to them well here's what, what they actually said in the early days when we joined 
they said, don't make your own arrangements. Just tr- uh, surrender to Krishna. He'll take care of you. Right. So I recently approached the GBC and said, you know, my whole life, I just was in ISKCON surrendering to Krishna, doing service. I never went out and got a job. So I don't have a pension like a lot of my God brothers and God sisters because I stayed in the society. And now, but the society is not reciprocating with me. I don't, you know, how am I going to, I don't have a pension. So you know what the GBC man said to me? What? He said, we don't say that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing is this, it's not an institutional surrender to Krishna. It's an individual personal surrender to Krishna, one-on-one. That's what it is. When the institution says, just do your service and Krishna will take care of you. That's not bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga is when I surrender to Krishna from my own heart and I say, Krishna, I'm surrendering to you. Please take care of me. In the 11th canto, uh, Krishna is speaking to Uddhava and in one chapter he tells how to worship me. And in this one shloka, he said, he said, you should pray like this. Oh, my dear Lord, I'm so fallen. I'm in such difficulty. And, I, you know, everything's going wrong for me. But you're the Supreme Lord. You please protect me. That. In other words, Krishna wants us to approach him and say, please protect me. If we don't say, please protect me, then he's thinking that you just want to protect yourself. Krishna's not pushing. He waits to be asked because that's what a relationship's all about. We have to, as you approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. So if we approach Krishna, please protect me, he will give protection. But at what level will he give protection? As you approach me, if you approach 1% or 10% or 50% or 100%, depends on you. So we're the architect of our own destiny, how much we surrender to Krishna, that he reciprocates like that with us. As we approach, he reciprocates. Right. In the past two years, there's been a lot of changes in the world regarding the world situation uh, and all that. What are your views on um, the way devotee community has dealt with that or um, how, div- how have you dealt with it personally? Okay, that's a very good question. And I answer it with rhetorical questions. Okay, rhetorical question number one. Who do we take shelter of? The Supreme Personality of Godhead or the conditioned souls? Who do we take shelter of? Krishna's perfect immune system that he puts in everybody or that immune system that is conjured up by conditioned souls that make mistakes Commit, they're an illusion, they're imperfect senses, and they have a cheating propensity. You know, so who do we take shelter of? Krishna or some doctor? We take shelter of Krishna in all cases. So I'm a firm believer that 
the best immune system to protect us is the immune system designed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And any other immune system designed by conditioned souls has got to be inferior. Why would I take shelter of an inferior system? That's the first point. Second point is this, that uh, Prabhupada said, in relation to a third world war, and what happens if they drop the bomb, Srila Prabhupada? You just chant Hare Krishna. Why you chant Hare Krishna? Because he said, you go to the temple, you start the kirtan, finish in Vaikuntha. We want to go back home, back to Godhead. We're only interested in the spirit soul. So if I do get uh, some disease, I may try as a young person to counteract it. But as a person in my age, I want to follow in the footsteps of Maharaj Parikshit and see this as a benefit. Now I know I've only got X amount of weeks or months to live. Now I can focus and prepare to go back home, back to Godhead. I see that as a benediction, as a blessing. Not that I want to prolong living in the body. Not that I want to save the body. <laughs> my consciousness is on saving the soul. What you said about uh, the immune system is entirely different than what the uh, modern narrative is, and also even the modern the narrative of the ISKCON Society's public statement. So, why do you think that is? I don't know, but I follow Krishna. I follow the Gita. I follow the Bhagavatam. I follow that. I follow Prabhupada. I follow the Acharyas. I take shelter of that. I don't take shelter of anything else. Why should I take shelter of anything else? That's not why I joined ISKCON, to take shelter of ISKCON. I, I joined ISKCON to take shelter of Krishna. Right. I came, joined ISKCON to establish a loving relationship or reviving my eternal relationship with Krishna, not establishing a relationship with ISKCON. I don't want to climb the ladder of success in ISKCON and, be, and get more upadis and more pratishta. When the shloka says, Sarvupati Vinir Muktam, become completely free from all these things. So, right. you know, I, I follow Shastra. Right. That is a great answer. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, upadis are hard to give up. I mean, it's it's very difficult. Even, you know, even the upadi of, like you, you're saying, of, of being a member of a certain institution or society within Krishna consciousness, that's also a hard thing to give up. Well, you're right. And in the beginning, that is the case. But we have to make advancement. We can't remain on the same level of consciousness after 50 years as we were after the first five years. I can't remain on square one my whole life <clears throat> because that's a failure. If I don't make advancement, that's a failure. <clears throat> I have to make advancement of surrender and establishing a loving relationship with Krishna and seeing the Lord's hand in my life moment to moment to moment to moment. And I don't want under Bishwas. I don't want blind faith. I have blind faith because the leaders tell me this because I read it in Prabhupada's books. No, I want Shraddha. Shraddha is translated as faith also, but actually I don't like that translation. I like the translation for Shraddha, trust. 
Shraddha means trust, love and trust. Why do we have trust in what Krishna says? Because of our experience. We're experiencing his hand in our life. We see how he's acting in our life. We're getting definite experience. It's experiential. Under Vishwas, blind faith, I don't have that experience. I don't have that realization. I'm just blindly following. But with Shraddha, you have that experience. You have that realization. Krishna is giving it to you. He says in chapter 15, Shloka 15, Sarvashya, uh, no, yeah, Sarvashya Chahamhridi Sani Vishto, Matas Mirtir Gyanam Apoanam Cha, that he's seated in everyone's heart. And from him, from him comes remembrance. Smriti Shakti. What remembrance that I'm spirit soul? What remembrance that I'm das, 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 under das? What remembrance that my home is a spiritual world? What remembrance that I'm not this body, this material world is not my home? And what gyan, the gyan shakti, does he give some banda gyan? Everything about my relationship to the Lord, to the devotees, to the Vaishnavas, to the Shastra, to the Guru. But if I want to enjoy IT, Indriya Tripti, then Apohan Shakti, he covers us because you can't enjoy when you know that you're not the body. You have to start thinking you're the body and not the spirit soul so you can enjoy material energy. When you say, when you said that you joined ISKCON not to, um, you, you took to take shelter of Krishna and take shelter of Prabhupada, uh, do you, do you feel like you're saying that we should rely less on the institution and more on the teachings? Because in the beginning, not it a, might feel... Yeah. Go ahead. No. I see ISKCON as a college or a university. You come to the university, you study, you learn, you get your degree, now you go out in the world and you live according to what you've learned. Right. Right. That's, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, there are those people who say, you know, who say that we should always um, try to help it become better in the sense of like, in the, in, according to your same analogy, stay within the university, try to make the university better, make all the students better, help them better learn and things like that. But that's all. The, all, only, all... the only people who stay in the university are the administrators and the professors. The right. professors are there because they get a salary. This is how they maintain their bodies. And the administrators, that's why they're there to maintain their bodies also. Same in ISKCON. Uh, let me share something with you. Please. When I, before I joined ISKCON, way back in the 60s, uh, I was busted for some drugs. And I was put in jail for a couple of weeks. So while I was there... I met this guy, and he was sharing to me how he loved being in jail. And that when they let him out, he goes into the street, goes, finds a jewelry store, gets a rock, smashes the window of the jewelry store, so the cops come and grab him and throw him back in jail. I said, why? Why do you want to be in jail? Because all my friends are here. I have my own room, the cell. I get three meals a day. I get yard time. I can go out and play and exercise. I can watch TV. <laughs> you know, everything was there for him. And, you know, some people join ISKCON for that same reason. Mm. Everything's there. For them. No responsibility. Everything's taken care of. 
It's an easy life. But it's so in the, in the same analogy or the same story, you feel like we have to we have to go out on our own and do like um, be more responsible to our to ourselves and to to others. Yeah, that's the only way we can help ISKCON. When I'm more responsible to myself and to others, then I can help ISKCON. I can bring people to ISKCON. I can contribute financially to ISKCON. I can render service by giving talks or leading kirtans. I can benefit ISKCON because I've got real-world experience. Well, Vyasaki Prabhu, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it was, it's been really nice talking with you, getting to know you a little bit better, uh, you know, because I've been hearing your voice throughout my whole ch whole childhood and now even into my adulthood. Are there any um, plans for any more albums? Are you doing any more recordings or anything of that nature? Well, I haven't since the pandemic began for obvious reasons. I was recording with one lady, Amrita Gopi, and she's the best female kirtan singer ever. She was amazing. And we would do kirtans together. It was like out of this world. So we went into a studio, started to record. Then the pandemic hit, and then everything came to a halt. And she ended up going back to the Ukraine. She's Ukrainian. And now I don't know what's happened to her. I'm just heartbroken, but she's like an amazing kirtanier. So my idea then, two years ago, was to bring out this album with me and Amrita Gopi, but I don't know what's happened now. She's amazing. Wow, I've never, I've never heard of her, but I can, I can, I'm, there's probably some YouTube kirtans of her, I'm sure. The thing is that she was living in Brindavan, so we would do kirtans, and she would come over, and we would do kirtans together, and I would teach her some really intricate kirtans and she would get it immediately some amazing kirtans and she she would just do it, it was fantastic you know the kirtans that she does that you may see on youtube are the normal iskon kirtans you know simple right. straightforward but we were doing ragas we were doing intricate things unbelievable things it was going to really be an artistic classical album and i'm so sad because i have so much respect for her ability as a kirtan singer and uh the last thing i heard was her mother told me that she was ill and she was in ukraine and she didn't know what was happening mm -hmm. her mother's wow. still here in Dublin. okay well um any any parting words for our, our listeners vayasaki prabhu yeah the same parting words that lord brahma gave to Narada Muni and Lord and that Narada Muni gave to everyone else to Lord Chaitanya and Lord Chaitanya gave to everyone else all the acharyas I'll give the same parting parting words Harinama 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 Eva Kevalam Kalo Nasjeva 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 Gatiran Yata this says it all there's nothing but the holy name nothing else great thank you so much so uh for our listeners uh if you'd like to get 
maybe in contact with Vyasaki Prabhu. He's in, on Facebook as uh, Vyasaki Das. You can see him there. Uh, he, he's also on Facebook. So um, thank you, Vyasaki Prabhu, again for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, please stay on a minute longer. I'm just going to play my outro and then um, uh, we'll end there. Thank you. Hare Krishna, everyone. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.